August 10th, 2015. Email to Mike D. Paola regarding an article he is writing for the Humane Society of the United States magazine. I just added this to the top of our page on our evolution to try and sum it up. Animal abusers hate us because we are the leading sanctuary dedicated to ending the abuse at its root by banning the private possession of exotic cats. These big cat abusers make up lies, or twist the truth, to make people think that we breed, buy, sell, and allow public contact just like they still do. We never bred lions or tigers. Our first kitten was born in 1994, and we stopped breeding in 1997. There were a couple of accidents from old cats and hybrids that we didn't think were fertile, but the very last cat born here was a leopard cat, like an eight-pound cat, full-grown, that was born in 2001. His parents were both in their late teens and were thought to be too old to breed. As of 2015, we have rescued more than 200 exotic cats. We have 13 who were born here. We stopped allowing public contact in 2003. We had only allowed public contact to show people who thought they wanted a wild cat as a pet that all the cat wants to do is pee on you. The sharing of those photos online didn't get across that same message, so we stopped it. We stopped allowing our staff to touch the cats in 2004 because it's dangerous and it sends a bad message. Sadly, many sanctuaries that are otherwise pretty good still like to show off that way, and we think it hurts our efforts to stop public contact. And this was a question they wrote. They would also like to know more details about your transformation from exotic pet breeder to big cat rescuer. I've read this, but I confess I'm a little unclear as to how it played out. Was it a single event or a gradual awakening? Give details if you can. Then I answered. There were two major turning points. Circa 1995, my late husband, Don, and I were at a wild... I don't even know what to call him now because it just came out. I'm recording this November the 20th of 2021, and it just came out in Tiger King 2 that they have a Homeland Security report saying he's alive and well in Costa Rica. And I've been calling him my late husband for like 23 years. So I don't know. Well, maybe not 23, but at least since 2002. And now I don't know what to call him, but I'm going to read you what's written here because that's what I wrote at the time. Circa 1995, my late husband, Don, and I were at a wild animal auction, and I recognized one of the links being sold as one that we had previously owned. He had been one of the rescued fur farm kittens that we had placed in a pet home. I had told everyone that if their kitten didn't work out, to bring them back. Most did, but this cat somehow ended up at an auction where taxidermists were likely to end up with him. We brought him home that day, but it was one of those moments where the light came on in my head and said, others are not committed to lifetime care of these cats, so you can't trust people who say they will always love the animal or bring them back. When my husband would go out of town, I would neuter as many of our male cats as I could get done quietly. Spays would be obvious, but he didn't notice the males being fixed. The good that came of it was that he was frustrated that the cats weren't breeding, so I was able to convince him that they needed better food, more space, and more privacy. The second turning point was after Don left in August of 1997, when I could openly spay, neuter, and separate the cats to stop the breeding. There was a third turning point, circa 2000, when walking alone through the sanctuary, I passed by Nini, an ex-circus tiger, 
and as clear as day heard her say, we don't belong in cages. I'd been working on the Captive Wildlife Safety Act since 1999, and before that on pig gestation crates in Florida, but Nini's voice was so powerful and just stopped me dead in my tracks. Trying to end the abuse wasn't enough. I had to end the abuse because magnificent creatures like her were suffering in prison cells, and it wasn't going to end until the laws the sanctuary had never even broken even and had to be funded by my real estate business up until 2003. But as early as 2000 or so, I knew that we had to turn around our finances so that I could focus on the legislative issues that would end the abuse once and for all. Thankfully, I met my current husband, a Harvard MBA, in late 2002, and he was able to lead us into an era of financial stability so that we could pursue the most important part of our mission, which is to end the trade. I'm sorry if there are typos. I'm running out the door.